Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. LFG. Three little letters tweeted by Mo Sanu. Tom Brady said, see you soon. The new Patriots wide receiver and the Patriots quarterback interacting on Twitter. That's how we do it. In 2019, hour number two here at home on homeradio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Coming up, we'll talk to Mike Jones from the USA Today about Lamar Jackson. He witnessed him in person on Sunday and talked to the Ravens quarterback as well. And Matt McGloin, XFL quarterback for the New York Guardians. But we start in the NBA. Ross Tucker, how excited are you for the tip of the NBA season, we thought we were going to see Zion Williamson take on the Toronto Raptors now without Kawhi Leonard. How big a damper does that put over the entire NBA season for the casual fan? A lot. Uh, and obviously the ratings for Duke last year and what ESPN has done so far with Zion in the preseason tells you just how popular of a player he is. For those of you that are just listening, we're showing a picture of him right now. I mean, look at his shoulders. It is unbelievable. I still say he's playing the wrong sport. He should be playing tight end or D end or left tackle or something in the NFL. Obviously, I think he made the right choice. But he is, Dave, by far my favorite basketball player to watch. I love watching the Warriors and draining threes. That's fun. LeBron's a fun player to watch. But for me, there is just something about the raw power and ability of Zion Williamson. And I got to tell you, this was my concern. I'm not like an NBA analyst or guru. I'm a former (laughs) NFL offensive lineman. But my concern about Zion was at 280-some pounds, whatever he was listed at, 285. Maybe he's less than that now. I just really worried, Dave, about how long he would be able to hold up with how explosive he is. I've seen guys during my time in the NFL. I had a teammate named LeVar Arrington, who I'm convinced got hurt a lot because his muscles were too explosive for his joints. He was unbelievably explosive, but it's like his joints couldn't hold up to that over time. And I'm worried about Zion Williamson. You know, you get this torn meniscus, that's a wear and tear injury, and they remove part of the meniscus, so then you have less cushioning in there. I I just, I, I am nervous for this young man. I'm glad he went pro when he did. I'm glad he's getting the money and the endorsements that he's getting. But I have serious concerns about how long his career will end up being running up and down that court 82 times a year, carrying that much weight. And I don't even know, Dave, how he could lose that much weight. It's not like he's fat. It's all muscle. It's almost like he's got to try to lean out a little bit. But I think his body just does that. He's a total, utter freak show. I just like looking at him. You're not alone in your fears. Those are all across the league and all across professional sports. 267, 285, just so much muscle, so much force, so much athleticism. There are concerns and there are too many people raising the name Greg Oden, who was a physical freak, whose body may have just been growing too fast, maybe too much for him to handle and never got to have the NBA career that so many thought he would have as a dominant center in the NBA out of Ohio State. Let's hope, like Patrick Mahomes, and certainly the New Orleans Pelicans will take their time, will not rush Zion Williamson back to the court. They're saying right now six to eight weeks. 
which looks like about 20 games and could have him returning sometime around Christmas. Take your time. Yes, New Orleans was considered a, at least an outside shot at being a playoff team. Probably not so much anymore. Maybe an outside shot at him coming back and then trying to salvage that eight spot. He goes from a 50 to one spot to a 250 to one to win rookie of the year. But really for the league, this hurts as well. The first game of the season now has essentially no sizzle because it was the Raptors who have lost Kawhi Leonard, and it was, of course, Zion Williamson. So that first game, 8 o'clock, not so sexy. The second game is what it's all about, Lakers and Clippers. And by the way, why it's such a bummer for the league is not that he's so exciting. He was on national television nine times in the first five weeks. That second game could be a preview of the Eastern, of the Western Conference Final, Lakers and Clippers. Now, what looks like the best rivalry in the NBA. What you're going to see at both games tonight is perhaps a glimpse at if the NBA-China controversy has gone away. And I don't think it has, because there are movements in both Toronto and Los Angeles, several thousand Hong Kong supporters and even former residents of Hong Kong and some Chinese are there, are selling T-shirts, are giving away T-shirts in some cases that say stand with Hong Kong. They want as many people to wear these T-shirts both in Toronto tonight and in Los Angeles. They want to keep the pressure on the NBA. These people feel right or wrong that the NBA buckled to China, that they were bullied around by the authoritarian government, and they want to keep the pressure on the NBA. Do you think this controversy has gone away yet, Ross? Absolutely not. Um, I think this will be a part of the entire NBA season. And it's not just the NBA's doing, Dave. It's not just the initial tweet from Daryl Morey. It seems like China is keeping this going as well. I thought it was really interesting that China, and I want to get this right, but mm -hmm. it was uh, the South China Morning Post reported Saturday that state media issued an editorial promising further retribution for Silver and the NBA here is the, what they said, Dave. You usually do this, so mm -hmm. I'll give you a little break here. You can listen for a little bit. Great. Silver has spared no effort to portray himself as a fighter for free speech and use freedom of speech as an excuse to cover for Maury, who voiced his support for the violent actors in Hong Kong. This has crossed the bottom line of the Chinese people. Silver's handling of the controversy has proved his double standards, adding that he defamed China on the international stage. To please some American politicians, Silver has fabricated lies out of nothing and has sought to paint China as unforgiving. The way in which the NBA boss has defended Maury showed he has problems in his character and that he will receive retribution sooner or later. Uh, this is really interesting to me, Dave, on a bunch of different levels. And the one thing I would say is, you know, the last time we talked about this, you were very fervent in your support for Silver and standing up to China and what he had said about the fact that there would be no discipline for Daryl Morey in an interview. Do you remember who that interview was with, Dave? Uh, that that was time 100 that he did the interview and said that there will not be any discipline for Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets. Yeah, right. So, you know, at the time, and I still feel this way to some extent, but I think, you know, because of how bad the PR would be in the United States and Canada, I do think that that factored in to Adam Silver's decision regarding you know, Daryl Morey. I mean, I, you know, we were kind of joking about from a Seinfeld standpoint that, you know, Morey's uh, move that cost his employer millions of dollars ironically gave him some Costanza-like job security with the <laughs> Houston Rockets. But I'll say this, you know, I think 
China state media coming out and saying what they said, Dave, I think supports your argument even more in the sense that Silver could have chosen to defer or defuse the situation. He could have said, you know, we're moving on from that topic. We're not talking about it anymore. Him coming out so strong about we are not disciplining Maury at all, we would never do that, it really does hurt the NBA's business interests in China even more. And I think it is more credit to what you said about Silver standing up for what he believes in and that that being a greater point of emphasis for him and motivation than the fact that I, how I thought, which is part of it is the financial ramifications. If he came out and, you know, disciplined Maury in the United States, I still feel that if he disciplined Maury, that would be a terrible look um, for, for the NBA. And I think they know that that'd be horrible PR, but he didn't need to come out as fervently as he did. He didn't need to be as strident in a way that aggravated China even more, which I think speaks to the point that you were talking about late last week. Are we hearing your phone there? I wasn't sure if we had a caller on the line. It's good no, to hear you coming was, around a little bit. Phone on the Chinese <laughs> media promises retribution at awfulannouncing.com. Thank you. Be careful, because they will. The, the Chinese will just cut your satellite signal if they don't like what you're saying. When you see something in the South China Post or come out of state media in China, it's not like our newspapers. It's not like our cable TV organizations, cable news, whatever. It is straight from the government of China. They run uh, the media there. They run the businesses there. It's a very different media statement. It means everything. It means it is sanctioned from the very top. So that comment about retribution means, yes, the government of China wants to get revenge on the NBA. I will stand by Adam Silver and continue to say he is the best commissioner in all of sports, and I believe the strongest commissioner in all of sports. And I think any other commissioner in professional sports would not have been this strong. I will be curious to hear what happens down the road if at some point it becomes an issue that Major League Baseball has a 10-year operating agreement in China to grow the game and air the game. I'll be very curious to hear what happens when reporters start asking Roger Goodell about a possible 2020 NFL game between the Niners and the Rams in Beijing. And do they support the human rights clampdown, uh, the abuses of China? Certainly, I think you'll hear a lot of no comments, don't want to get into politics, uh, uh, anything that the Chinese do. What Good would to you hear do, you Dave? coming around. What would you if do? If I... Let's just say you're Roger Ooh. Goodell or yep. um, the IOC or baseball, because the NBA, you know, their 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 hands were tied, so to speak, or you know, it went down this road because of the Maury tweet, right? Right. The the NFL and Major League Baseball have more of kind of a blank slate, and I don't really know what they're doing right now business-wise in either one of those sports in that country or what their projections are. So in other words, like on some level, I feel like it'd be easy for the NFL to say, we support human rights. We're not going to have the game over there. Cause I don't think the NFL really makes that much money from China, but I might be mistaken. And by the way, um, I wouldn't blame any organization if they said, Look, we are about growing the game globally. We are not about getting into foreign politics. I think it'll be a much more difficult conversation for Major League Baseball than it will for the NFL. Like you, I don't think the NFL sees China as the next great frontier. I don't think there's a lot of great profit model down the road in China. No real NFL fans, whereas the NBA is massive massive there. Again, more people watch the NBA Finals decisive game in China than here in the United States. So it would be a lot more difficult 
for the NFL or even Major League Baseball to speak out than the NFL. I think what you're seeing in China right now, if you really get into the economics of it, is a lot of counterfeit merchandise. I don't know if the NFL is making any money off of China because everything is counterfeit there. I think the NFL probably has a lot of problems going on there and wouldn't have a hard time pulling out of that. Real quickly, I want to touch on a quick NBA topic. Michael Jordan talking with Craig Melvin from the Today Show and joking around about a couple of things, including talking about his new fancy tequila, talked about the guys he would like to play pickup with, and then off like kind of a candid remark about Steph Curry. Hard to tell if he was joking or not. Listen to Michael Jordan, to Craig Melvin. If you could pick four guys for your pickup team, four guys that you play anybody else with, Hakeem Olajuwon, Magic Johnson and Scottie Pippen and James Worthy. That was six years ago. Lots happened in the league in six years. Would you keep the same four? In a heartbeat. When I'm going in the trenches, I played against and with all these guys. I'm going with who I know. Every single night, that responsibility to go out there and represent greatness every single night. So Steph Curry shouldn't be offended when he watches this. I hope not. He's still a great player. Not a Hall of Famer yet, though. (laughs) He's not. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. I enjoyed this. Okay, so it helps if you've seen that clip and not just heard it. Because if you see it, it doesn't feel at all like Michael Jordan was joking that Steph Curry, three-time NBA champ, an MVP, third all-time in three-pointers made, didn't feel like he was joking. So I texted the reporter there, Craig Melvin, to ask, did I get the wrong impression there? Or did it feel like Michael Jordan was actually serious? And he said, absolutely. It felt like Michael Jordan was being serious that Steph Curry is not yet a Hall of Famer. I don't know whether I love it or I hate it that Michael Jordan just has no real respect for the next generation of the game. He thinks his guys were better, tougher, smarter, more ferocious. You know what? Yeah, I do. I just love it. I absolutely love that he does not respect the next generation. What's your reaction to that comment? Yeah, I I hate it. Um, (laughs) I I, I have no idea. I'm not a fan of someone going out of their way to knock somebody else. Like, there was no reason for him to say Steph Curry is not a Hall of Famer. It's totally different. If he was asked, is Steph Curry a Hall of Famer in your mind? No, not yet. That's a lot different than him going out of his way to say that as if, like, he's the guy on high that judges it. As if, like, he, as if it's his decision whether or not the guy is a Hall of Famer. First of all, Steph Curry already is a Hall of Famer, so he's wrong about that. Secondly, it just seems like a gratuitous shot to take. For no reason, you know, it'd be like it'd be like uh, someone talking to Steph Curry about you know the Warriors and he'd be or or anything or the Bulls. He'd be like, yeah, I mean, if I could play, it'd be Michael Jordan, but he's not a Hall of Famer as an executive, that's for sure. Like, why? Like, what? Why? Why say something <laughs> negative about a great player if you don't have to? I I don't really understand it, uh, but you're right. Uh, Michael Jordan has no filter. And maybe he needs to do a better job when he's running these franchises of hiring the right people. Michael, <laughs> if you're listening, and I know you probably are, it's all about ZipRecruiter, bro. It's all about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is in the Hall of Fame of finding candidates for you. Because it doesn't just depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Michael, post a job on ZipRecruiter like GM or head coach or anything. You'll be impressed by how quickly you get great candidates applying. You'll also be able to use ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter your applicants so you can focus on the most relevant ones. Focusing on something that's actually relevant. Interesting concept for you, Michael. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. 
That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter and ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. The smartest way to transition. Well done by Ross Tucker. That was like the Michael Jordan of transitions to our friends at ZipRecruiter. All right, let's talk some NFL again with our good friend, Mike Jones from USA Today, the host of the Football Jones podcast. Got to subscribe on YouTube, uh, on, on iTunes. Mike, good to see my friend Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. I listened to Football Jones, the latest episode, episode 22. Lamar Jackson is for real. I listened to that at 6 a.m. this morning. Because I, like most, am captivated and fascinated by Lamar Jackson. You saw him play in Seattle. What surprised you about the demeanor of, of this young quarterback? I think it's the way that we're seeing him take ownership of that team and that offense. Um, you know, last year, he kind of had that mindset of, you know, I'm doing what my coaches ask me. Um, almost like he was just happy to be there. This year... It's like, this is my team. And I think we saw that late in the third quarter when he was frustrated. He'd thrown a nice touchdown pass. His tight end dropped it. His center couldn't hear, and they had a delay game penalty. And they got stopped short, and John Harbaugh is ready to kick a field goal. And he goes to the sideline, and Harbaugh said he saw his face, and he just could tell he was furious. And Jackson basically demanded that he change the call, and they go for it. And he's putting his team on his back. Um, he's carrying them. Uh, and he scores a touchdown the next play, um, an eight-yard run up the middle. And just the mindset of, you know, look, Russell Wilson's going to get the ball and score. So he's taking that challenge. He wants to be that guy who's going to direct his team. Um, and so we're seeing him. He's developing as a passer still. He's still a work in progress. But just the aggressive mindset that he has um, is something that's really starting to stand out because that's exactly what they needed. When I was there in training camp, they talked about how they wanted him to be a kind of take a step forward to kind of help carry the team while their defense was retooling. And he's doing just that. Mike, always good to talk with you. Always good to see you. I want to follow up on Lamar Jackson. Cause that's actually what I wrote about this week, Lamar on, in my column for the athletic. And you know, the thing that's interesting, Mike, and I've talked about this before is every week I call a college football game for CBS Sports Network, and the defensive coordinators in college go on and on about how difficult the quarterback run game is to defend, how hard it is because right. it negates the number count advantage you have. So I guess I think it's on some level perhaps a fair question to pose how much of what we're seeing from Lamar and the Ravens is just – Lamar's incredible ability and how much credit do you give Greg Roman the offensive coordinator for the Ravens and John Harbaugh the head coach for kind of embracing it and saying you know what it's working for everybody in college nobody's really done it in the NFL but we're gonna go for it yeah I, I give them a lot of credit um because of the fact like you said not a lot of people are doing it and when you look at what they did last year it was kind of like they were like okay we know he's fast we know he can run and we've seen other people run these kind of plays, but it almost looked like they weren't exactly sure how to do it. They looked very much like a high school offense as much as he was running. This year, they promoted Greg Roman. He saw the Redskins do it with Kyle Shanahan. He implemented it with Colin Kaepernick. Now you're seeing them do it with Lamar. And so they are, while he's still running a lot, they are opening up the passing game, working on getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Um, so he isn't, last year he was very one-dimensional. Maybe you would see a couple passes here and there. This year, it's more balanced. Now, look, he's still running a ton, but he's making throws, quick reads, getting it out. And so I think you got to give him a lot of credit because they knew what they wanted to look like last year once they got him in there, but they didn't know how to get there. So then they made the move um, promoting Greg Roman to actually position them to do so. So it's going to be really interesting. Like you said, it's hard to account for them. You've got to have a spy on them, but then that keeps you from having the numbers advantage. Um, but how is he going to continue to progress? Because eventually he's going to run into a defense where he's going to have to throw. We saw the first several games he did throw the ball a lot, wasn't running as much. So I think he's showing that he can do both. But the real mm -hmm. test, I think, is going to be week after next. They're going to come have a bye this week. Then they play the Patriots against that defense. Um, that will show us where he is in his development. Um, but he causes 
problems. And I think if we remember back what RG3 and the Shanahan's were able to do with the play action attack, big downfield passes, him scaring teams with his legs before he got hurt. Um, I think that that's what we can see with Lamar Jackson, um, but eventually he's going to grow and develop and be even more dangerous. One of the great moments this past week was when he essentially told his head coach, nah, we're not going to kick that field goal. We are going to go for it. We are going to score a touchdown. You want to catch the uh, Football Jones podcast, Lamar Jackson is for real, the latest episode. I am not convinced. I've said it from the beginning about that arm. He completed nine passes, albeit in a mm -hmm. win over Seattle and a couple of drops. Nine passes. And after those first two weeks, He's thrown for four touchdowns, five interceptions the last five weeks. You really think if a team like the Patriots forces him to beat them through the air, is he capable of it? Okay, let's take the Patriots out of the conversation. Right. A good NFL defense, is he capable of beating through the air? I am not convinced. I think that he has the potential to. I don't know where he is right now as far as – that but I see signs you've seen flashes of the ability there was a couple times against the Seahawks where he rolled out and delivered big passes downfield there were times where he fit ball into quit into small windows um there are times I think that you see him where there's a defender kind of hesitating he and, and Jadavian Clowney said it look we're afraid to rush him because we're going to give him the lanes but then you can't just sit back and just let him stand in the pocket so he's causing doubt in the minds of those defenders so i think that that bodes well for him um there were times that i kind of questioned their play calling they got into the red zone the first two times and they ran three pa three running plays and got stopped and i'm wondering okay where's the play action pass here you already the defense is biting on the run then the next time they were down there in the third quarter, he he put a beautiful pass on Andrew's hands, their tight end, and he dropped it. Um, so I see signs there that makes me believe that he can. Can he beat the Patriots? I don't know. But he made plays against the Chiefs. They fell short there. Um, I think that we're seeing that growth uh, that leads me to believe that he can be. Now, again, the Patriots are a whole nother nightmare against a good defensive team. I believe so, but I think it's all part of the process for him. I want to talk about another quarterback, Mike, and, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, we all saw what happened last Thursday night. There are varying reports out there about when he'll come back. Most people seem to think it'll it'll still be three to five weeks. They do have their bye coming up in about a month. I'm curious as to what you would do if you were in the Chiefs situation where, you know, we'll see what happens with Matt Moore the next few weeks until Mahomes plays. And based on everything I've read, you know, the chance that he'd have to wear a brace, surgery after the year. What are you hearing and what are you thinking as it relates to what the Chiefs can and should do with Patrick Mahomes? Very similar to what you're hearing, Ross. Um, you know, it, it's a wait and see kind of thing. They want him out there. First off, I would not have had him playing in that game on Thursday night. The way that you saw him hobbled the last two weeks, even just to go back to hand the ball off, you knew he wasn't 100%, and you knew that the offense was struggling as a result of that. They put him out there. He got hurt. Obviously, it wasn't the ankle. It was the knee. But everything's connected. Um, so I think that they are very wise to not rush him back. They're fortunate that they're in a division where there's a lot of rebuilding going on right now. Um, and you've got to give them as much time as you can. It's unfortunate their bye week is as late as it is. Um, but you need a fully healthy Patrick Mahomes or as close to it as possible. If you rush him back out there, there's the chance that he gets hurt further, um, re-injuring that knee. And then he's not going to be as effective because without that mobility, without the escapability, their line's not good enough. Um, they've got to increase the amount of times they run to ease pressure to keep the defense honest. Um, they've just got to overhaul a lot of different things if he is very hobbled. And so that's why I think they've got to be patient with this thing. Um, you know, if it's three weeks, maybe you go forward just to, to, to wait and just to be extra sure. But you, you really need Matt Moore to, to be able to play decently. He did in a pinch. He went out there and played very well. Their hope, I guess, is that he can continue to do that and they don't have to rush Mahomes back. But you have to not just listen to him. You have to be smart because he's a young kid. He's a competitor. He wants to be out there. But you've got to protect the guy from himself 
um, and and be smart. And I think yeah. that that's being patient. December 1st, nothing before December 1st, if they are wise. Talking to Mike Jones, USA Today, and the Football Jones podcast, Mohamed Sanu traded to the New England Patriots for a second-round pick. Gives them uh, certainly a lot of a size, some good hands, a talented guy, bolsters their receiving core. Are the Patriots a 16-0 and type team? Give me one other trade, big trade you think happens in the next week. You know, it's going to be interesting to see because I, we obviously we felt like Sanu was going to be moved. I didn't know if it was going to be to the Patriots. I was thinking maybe San Francisco would make a move for them. They need um, to add a playmaker. I think that the Seahawks are another team that need to find a way to add a playmaker. Um, you know, we'll see who it is. It's hard to say right now what they want to give up, what teams are asking for. Um, but when you look at the Patriots, I do think they have a shot to be a 16-0 team because of just the way that their defense is so dominant. Um their offense has been okay, but they've needed somebody. They're missing that that Gronk element, that extra guy outside of Edelman. Josh Gordon hasn't, you know, he's been okay, but he hasn't been a game changer. And so you now give Brady another weapon with Sanu. Like you said, he's big, he's physical, he can help move the chains. Um, that that just gives you another guy to win some matchups with. And they obviously have their running backs that they can send out of the backfield as well. So when you look at them and you look at who they've played. Yeah, they haven't really played a whole lot of teams. But when you also look at their defense, they just are so dynamic. The way they can turn the ball over, um, put the offense in favorable situations. That's why I just feel like, okay, it's it's. I think that 16-0 and is definitely a possibility because you, we've seen them do it before, and their defense is as good as it's ever been, and now they just add another element to their offense, so why not? So, Mike, speaking of potential trades and, and even the Patriots, there's all kinds of conversation about Trent Williams, the left tackle for the Redskins that hasn't played yet this year. We know the Browns won him. I'm sure the Patriots won him. You spent a lot of time covering the Washington Redskins. Do you think that they will decline to trade Trent Williams this year? in order to make a point slash not set a bad precedent when it comes to players being able to finagle their way off the team. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. They had the opportunity multiple times already to trade him uh, for, for very good picks, and they have not. I just checked with somebody yesterday saying, hey, what's the latest? And they're like, nothing. Still waiting for him to walk through that door. I mean, come on. Um, what makes you think that this guy is going to walk through that door? This is once again, um, their leadership, their decision makers underestimating a situation, feeling like they're the smartest guys in the room and that they can can pull one over or make something work that other people can't. Um, Trent Williams doesn't want to be there. I think they feel like, okay, eventually he's going to come back. So that way he avoids losing that season towards free agency. And I think once they have they feel like once they have him back in the building they'll be able to talk him into staying they didn't want to set that precedent of giving him um, another contract when he had two years left because then they would have to rip up ryan kerrigan's deal because he hasn't missed a game um in the whole time he's been in the league um but this is really a situation where he doesn't trust them he doesn't respect the the leadership bruce allen um in particular the medical staff uh, but the Redskins are determined they're not going to give a player um, his way in this regard. Now, they're going to get to the offseason, and they're going to have to move him. And they could have done it already and gotten some really good picks. I think that the sense of urgency won't be there as much in the offseason because teams you know, will be able to use a draft pick for a left tackle. Um, but right now is when teams are in desperate need. You mentioned the Browns, mentioned the Patriots. They're teams who very much would like to have him. But again, the same awful decision making that we've seen the last 10 years in Washington um, with Bruce Allen at the helm continues to persist. And because of that, the Redskins are going to miss an opportunity to get good picks and then just put the end to this, put this to bed, and then some other team would be able to move on. Who's the best team in the NFC? Is it the 6-0 San Francisco Niners? Um, I, I I believe that they have the potential to be. The way that their defense is, um, the way their run game is, they're 6-0, and Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even played very well. 
Um, you know, they've turned the ball over and their defense is able to bail them out again and again and again. And again, they've shown they can win ugly. They've shown they can put points on the board, but we're still waiting for Garoppolo to look like he did during that 5-0 and stretch when he uh, was with the team down the end of the second season there. But I will say that the Saints are just a tad bit better because of their defense and because they're 5-0 and with the backup quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is playing very, very well. But... Imagine putting Drew Brees into this mix again. And I mean, the fact that they're 5-0 with Teddy Bridgewater, Drew Brees is definitely more dynamic, more talented. When he comes back, I think that they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to take it to another level. And I don't see anybody being able to knock them off. You look at the Packers, they're another team. They're starting to, um, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur are really starting to get in sync now. We saw a big game from Aaron Rodgers. They've got a defense that's pretty nasty. Struggling to run a little bit, but they get after the quarterback. So I think that those three teams are probably your top three, the Packers, the 49ers, the Saints. But I'm just going to say that when the Saints get Drew Brees back, they are going to be the elite of the elite in the NFC. We agree on that, all three of us. Mike Jones, USA Today, and Football Jones Podcast. Check out the latest episode on Lamar Jackson and what he's doing with the Baltimore Ravens. Mike, good to see you, sir. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, when we come back after a quick break, we're going to talk to Matt McGloin, former Penn State quarterback, former quarterback in the NFL, and coming up, quarterback in the XFL for the New York Guardians. We'll talk to Matt McGloin after a quick break here on Home and Home. Exactly one week after the Super Bowl in Miami is the kickoff of the XFL season. Quarterbacking the XFL's New York Guardians is a familiar name. Former Penn State quarterback, former Oakland Raiders quarterback, played with a couple of other teams in the NFL, and a good friend of ours, Matt McGloin, joining us to talk about the upcoming XFL season. Matt, good to see you. It's Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. A lot of people wondering what to expect in this new league because, in fact, Vince McMahon is behind it. What do you expect? How do you think it'll be different from what we see every Sunday? Well, first and foremost, you know, I think with the addition of Commissioner Oliver Luck, who has just been fantastic since he accepted that role. And, uh, you know, I think what you can expect to see is a lot of talented football players going out there each and every weekend, ready to compete, ready to work hard and ready to play at a high level. This is a fantastic opportunity for a lot of players like myself who may have some NFL experience that just love the game, want to be around it, want to learn, want to continue to be coached up, and want to play at a high level. And it's also great for younger guys as well to be able to get out there, get some more uh, film out there, put a lot of great things on tape, and get some recognition that they deserve across the country. So, Matt, talk to us about your your decision-making process on deciding to play in the XFL. And I don't think you play in the AAF. Correct me if I'm wrong. So... Why yes for the XFL, but you didn't play in the AAF? Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean, Ross, as you know, one day that, that phone stopped ringing, you know, the NFL stopped calling. And, uh, you know, for me, I just always felt that my journey wasn't over, that my career wasn't over yet. I felt great. I feel strong. I feel healthy. I still feel like I can play at a high level. And I'm the type of person that, you know, when I know I can't do it, I have no problem shutting it down. You know, I have no regrets. I was never supposed to play college football. So to be able to have a good college career, play in the, play in the NFL for, for as long as I did, man, I'm happy. But I still feel like I have more to give. And as you mentioned, I didn't play in the AAF. I actually turned down, you know, an opportunity to play there multiple times. I just feel like it wasn't right. And it's not the, the direction that, that I wanted to go in. And it's nothing against that league. You know, a lot of players that played in that league um, are now with NFL teams. Um, but once this XFL you know, once once I started to see that um, they were going to start it back up, it's something I always kept my eye on. It's something I kept in the back of my mind. And, uh, you know, a fantastic opportunity presented itself to me. And uh, everything fit perfectly. Being able to play in New York, play back on the East Coast, where it's a short drive for family and friends to, uh, to be able to see some games at MetLife. Um, but, man, at the end of the day, I want to compete. And I feel like the XFL gives me the best opportunity right now to do that. So I guess my question would be, Matt, just to follow up on that, how much of this 
is because, hey, you're 29, still healthy, and someone's going to pay you to play football in New York. I'm going to go chuck it around a little bit and have fun versus I still think I can be in the NFL as a backup quarterback. I see some of these guys that are getting playing time or that are on rosters as backup quarterbacks. I think I can still do that and be better than those guys, and the XFL gives me another chance to prove that. Um. Yeah, I mean, listen, obviously I'm signing the XFL, and that's where my focus is. Now, one day down the road, if the NFL does present itself again, absolutely. Um, I'd love to get back in there. Do I still think I should be in that league? Yes. Do I still think I can play at a great level? Yes. So I think, I think I'm better than a lot of quarterbacks right now in the NFL that are in, you know, backup positions. I, I, yes, I do. You know, and that's just the confidence that I've always had. That's the approach I've always had. Um and I, like I said, I think I have a lot left to give, you know, so uh, and I, I feel healthy. And I think that's the most important thing. Um, so but uh, the XFL is my focus right now. They're giving me a fantastic opportunity. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, and I'm going to give the XFL and I'm going to give the New York Guardians everything I have this upcoming season. Talking to Matt McGloin, the new quarterback of the XFL, New York Guardians. They open play on February 9th, the AAF came out of the gate hot with a lot of big hits, a lot of big collisions that got people excited. Do you have any concerns that that's the attempt of the XFL to really ramp up how hard guys are hitting in this league? You know, guys hit hard everywhere. You know, it's part of the game. This is a physical, physical sport that we sign up for. Um, you know, and at times I'm lucky I play the quarterback position, you know, but, uh, but listen, you know, guys are going to be flying around. This is going to be a fast-paced style of play. You know, obviously there's a 25-second play clock. Um, so I think you're going to get a lot of reps. You're going to see a lot of guys flying around the field. Um, and uh, it's going to be a bit of a different style. You know, some different rules will be, will be implemented this year. Um, so, uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be football. It's going to be tough, physical, violent football. And, uh, I mean, as a professional football player, that's what you enjoy. Matt, I, I can't believe I've never had a chance to ask you this, um, but we have the opportunity now. Obviously, I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania as well. Like everybody, I think I dreamt of playing for Penn State. And they kind of asked me to walk on, but they didn't really pursue it that much. I think I got a, a, a letter from Jerry Sandusky asking me to walk on. And when I was in high school, I just thought, oh, that means I'm probably not good enough. Then I go to Princeton and uh, have a good career there, end up playing seven years in the NFL, and all the Penn State guys on the Redskins are telling me I would have been like your best offensive lineman or second best. And I remember distinctly, Matt, being like, ah, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you, because I just didn't, you know, that was my dream. And I didn't yeah. want to, I, I almost didn't want to hear that. I, I'm curious, though, take us back to high school, because you're the only walk-on to ever start at quarterback for Penn State. You won the Burlesworth Trophy for the, the, the walk-on of the year in college football in 2012. When you were in high school, up in West Scranton, what offers did you have? And how much did you debate taking one of those other offers versus the long, hard road of walking on at Penn State? You know, uh, to be honest with you, I really didn't debate. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any Division One offers. And we had a lot of players on my high school team. You know, we were a top state-ranked team in Pennsylvania. Um, we had our left tackle had 40 or 50 offers. Our tight end had 40 or 50 offers. You know, back in high school, Dave Wanstead would be in the stands. Greg Schiano, when he was at Rutgers, would be in the stands. Uh, so we had a lot of these Division One head coaches coming to watch our players play. I couldn't pull an offer. I didn't understand. You know, I thought I had a great career. I thought I was a great athlete. I thought I was a good quarterback. You know, I had some opportunities to play at lower level schools. Um, and there's nothing against that. It's great football, but at the end of the day, it's not what I wanted. It's not what I, it's not where I believed I should be. Um, and that's the mindset that I have. I believe in myself, I believe in my ability. So I accepted to be preferred walk on at Penn State. Um, and I just wanted to earn respect. You know, I feel like when I first showed up on campus, half the team didn't even know I was a member of the team. <laughs> so, uh, you know, through hard work in the weight room on the practice field, I started to earn respect. You know, I got the attention of the players and coaches around me. I earned a scholarship a year later and um, continued to, to, to play well. 
and ended up becoming the starting quarterback. But uh, there were definitely times where, you know, you think to yourself, should I have gone somewhere else? Should I have taken the easy route? Um, but for some reason, I continued to move forward one day at a time. Um, I try to be the most consistent player and the most consistent quarterback that I can be on a daily basis. And Ross, you know this, that's hard for guys to do. It's hard to show up every day and be that same person, have that same focus. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what really, you know, pulled me in the direction I needed to go. It's what put me ahead of the four-star, five-star recruits that they were bringing in, is that I was consistent every day. You knew you were getting the same person. And, uh, again, I'm, I appreciate the opportunity Joe Paterno gave me, and I appreciate the opportunity the Penn State football program gave me. Awesome, Matt. Matt two talking to Matt. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Russ. No, well, I was, I was going to ask. Sorry, Matt. Um, I'm sure it's out there publicly like everything else. I'm just curious. You did make some decent dough in the NFL. You know, I saw where the average salary in the XFL is 55000 Was there a negotiating process, or is it just a set amount for quarterbacks? And was there part of you that had to weigh whether or not it was worth it to you to play for that amount of money given you did play in the NFL for several years and make a good chunk of change. <laughs> yeah. So I'll really be careful with what I say here, you know, because uh, the uh, eight quarterbacks, you know, have, have, uh, have somewhat different contracts, I guess. Um, you know, in my agreement and things like that, I'm not really uh, allowed to talk about it, I guess. Um, but we, we negotiate it. And, uh, you know, we were able to come to, you know, where both sides were comfortable, you know, with the salary and with the contract. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and it you know, allows me to focus on football, which is the most important thing. Um, so, uh, again, I'm excited about it. You know, I'm happy about it. And uh, I'm really, you know, pleased that the XFL has given me this opportunity to uh, showcase my ability and uh, go out there and, and play some football in a in, in, in market that, I've always wanted to have they have the opportunity to play in, and that's New York. Matt McGloin will quarterback the New York Guardians for the XFL season. You also work the sidelines for your alma mater, Penn State. They are 7-0. and Is this a team capable, let's look a few weeks down the road, of beating Ohio State? <laughs> well, that's something that, you know, I think everybody has in the back of their minds. You know, you take a look at what they've done the past two weeks going to Iowa. And winning in Iowa, you know, Iowa had a stripe out crowd and it was an incredible atmosphere. Um, always a tough place to play. And then to do what they did against Michigan, whiteout, 7.30 ABC game day, playing on a national stage. That's the game that they needed to win to show that they belong in that elite category with the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the LSUs, and the Ohio State. Now they have a tough Michigan team this week on the road in East Lansing, a team that has beaten them. The, the previous two years. Um, and they also have Minnesota before they play Ohio State, who Minnesota's undefeated as well. So there's a few teams in their path, but everything is going to lead up to that Ohio State game. You have to win that Ohio State game. If you lose, you are out. There's no conference championship. There's no shot at a playoff. So I think they understand at, uh, what's at stake with these next couple weeks, but especially that Ohio State game. I think right now, if they're playing Ohio State, I think it's a tough game for them. I really do. Defensively, they're there. Offensively, they need to continue to prove every single week, which they have. But offensively, they haven't played a complete football game yet. And they're going to need to do that when they travel to Columbus in a few weeks. Matt, so you were there when everything went down at Penn State and uh, helped you know, keep the program afloat after that with everything that happened with Sandusky and Paterno. Here we are now whatever it is, seven, eight years later, what impresses you the most about what James Franklin's done with the program and, and where Penn State is now? The ability to recruit has been unbelievable. Um, you look at where we were in 2012 to where we are now and seven, eight years later, and he's bringing in top-tier talent year after year he doesn't get the credit or the recognition that he deserves um it's amazing to see it really is it's almost as if the, the penn state is at a better place than it's ever been before i mean I, again i have the opportunity to go back and, and uh, call the game on the radio with steve jones and jack ham 
So, I mean, to be there week in and week out and see the type of atmosphere that Beaver Stadium has, to see the type of program that he's running, it's incredible. And let me tell you, they're close. And I know they're having a successful year this year, but they are close to being that powerhouse that everyone believes that they can be. So my hat's off to James Franklin. He's done a fantastic job. All right, Matt, quickly, uh, just give me your breakdown of Sean Clifford. I mean, you're, you're a three-year starter at Penn State quarterback, how he's done so far this year. Give me the pros and cons of what you've seen from Clifford. Take a look at where he was week one, where understandably, you know, a bit nervous throughout the first half, settled in, play well. But what really impressed me, again, I'm talking about the past two weeks because they were his biggest tests of his short career at Iowa. I thought from play one through the last play of the game, he played a very, very good and consistent football game. He never got too high, never got too low. And look at what he did again uh, last week against Michigan. Three touchdowns as well. Stayed consistent, calm throughout the game. You know, for such a young guy, he's only a sophomore, to understand there's playing time and there's winning time. And to know that difference early in, in your career is something very special. You know, he's the type of guy that is hungry. He wants to be coached. He wants to learn. And when you mix that with the talent that he has, it's a dangerous thing to have because, you know, so many guys, when they walk in and they're big recruits like him, and I've been around it, you know, these four or five-star recruits, they feel entitled. They feel like I'm here, so give me everything you promised me without working for it. And we all know it doesn't work like that. He is the type of guy, he knows he's got talent. He knows he's got ability. But his drive, his hunger to learn and to become a better quarterback, it almost exceeds his talent. So, I mean, he's been playing great. He's the leader of that football team as only a sophomore. Um, so this year, moving forward and the following two years, I, I mean, there's no reason as to why he can't be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Penn State at Michigan State. They're 7-0. and They'll get Ohio State on November 23rd. Matt McGloin quarterbacking the XFL's New York Guardians starting February 9th. Best of luck this season. Appreciate the time, Matt. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Good luck, my friend. Coming up after a quick break, we're going to bring in Kendrick Perkins, former Boston Celtics star, won a title with the Seas to talk about the future of Zion Williamson and why Michael Jordan said Steph Curry is not yet a Hall of Famer. We're back after a quick break with Perk. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 